G'day listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Keeper League podcast. With the AFL Fantasy podcast that doesn't talk about the superstars, we only talk about the less known players, the ones that are going to bring value to your draft Keeper League teams. My name's Hef and I'm joined by my co-host Kays in his last day of isolation. How are you? I'm very good. Last day I'm feeling fantastic, Heffy. What's the first thing you're going to do when you get out, Kays? Uh, well, obviously, it ends tonight, so I'll wake up. I think I'm going to go for a run. I've never wanted to go for a run so much in my whole entire life. I'm not sure why, but uh, just itching to get out with some fresh air. Um, obviously, I have to go to work tomorrow, which is uh, obviously annoying. I've been working from home, luckily enough, the last uh, few days. But um, yeah, back to the office, and then I think we might, uh, me and my wife, go out for a nice dinner just to uh, you know know what it's like to, to be normal again. Now, it's currently 9.55am uh, on a Tuesday morning and you're working from home, is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> so, we're, uh, uh, no, we won't go into that. But anyway, <laughs> that's uh, good. I love your dedication to the podcast. I'm sure you'll make up the hours after uh, we oh. finish this anyway. So, when you're you've probably working to, more than you normally was. When you've got nowhere to go, you can work all night. That's, the, uh, that's how it works. Yeah, exactly. So, does your lockdown end at like midnight tonight? I assume so. I had my last test yesterday and the, the test has come back negative. So, I'm not really sure. Um, I'm assuming we still can't leave until tomorrow. So, I'm not really sure how it all works. But yeah, today's day 14. So, tomorrow I'm free. going to say you could head out uh, at midnight and head up a um, hit up a 24-hour establishment, maybe uh, your Cafe de Villiers or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm that desperate for a pie floater or a, or a beer, but um, yeah, it, oh, hey, opportunities are endless really. I wonder if any of our listeners know what we're uh, sorry, a non-SA listeners know what we're talking about when we say a pie floater. Are they that well known? I don't know. They're delicious. That's what they are. Well, I eat them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner because I'm South Australian. And uh, to be honest, I haven't had one for I've had like two in my life. So, but uh, they're not the worst thing ever. But uh, anyway, uh, let's get stuck in the show. Before we do that, though, we'll just mention we have a live show on the 27th of July at Brew Boys. So uh, check out fa- there's a Facebook event. Um, I think it's pinned to the top of our Twitter posts um, on Twitter, and then I think you'll be able to find it in the events page from our Facebook page. Um, I don't actually have any friends on Facebook. Okay, so uh, I don't actually use Facebook. I just use it to run the Keeper League page. So, I might need to get you on the uh, on the inviting of people for that one. But uh, yeah, we'll see how we go with that. But uh, if we can get a few more people attending that, that'd be fantastic. But if we don't, it'd actually just be a nice atmosphere for recording a podcast. So, either way, it's all good case. So, are you excited for that one? I think it's going to be awesome. I think there'll be a few people coming along. Um, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I reckon it'll be a ripper. Yeah, no. Live show will be good fun. Uh, the beers are good there. The chicken's good there. It's just, oh, yeah. it's just a win all round. Absolutely. So yeah, if you're not if you're not heading to our live show in Adelaide, if you are in Adelaide and you're not going, you're you're gonna be missing out. So uh, yeah, make sure you hit it up and uh, yeah, check it all out. But speaking of good drinks and uh, yeah, good food, uh, we'll get around the sponsors. So Remedy are uh, looking after our listeners. They are giving away twenty percent off of all Remedy products from their website. Um, if you want to get some Remedy kombucha into your life, head to remedydrinks.com/au/shop and use the coupon coupon keep it 20 get 20 percent off all kombucha remedy kombucha products and free shipping and also we've got zambreros uh who are giving away a burrito for one lucky listener and a mate each week so this week uh, our lucky winner is joseph from bayswater in wa now case have you been uh, brushing up on your wa you're actually quite good with your wa geography you've been there a fair few more times than i have been i Do you know have. where bayswater is it is. It's just uh, east of the city of Perth and not too far from the beautiful Mount Lawley Golf Club. So, uh, Joseph's in a very nice spot of Perth, I think. 
Do all your like all your geography references just go by the nearest golf course or what? Correct. Yeah, that's how yeah. I kind of uh, help um, figure out my bearings in different cities. Yeah. Okay. The amount you love golf, I, I thought you'd be better at it, but uh, no, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, anyway, uh, if you want to get into our competition where you could win a burrito for you and a mate, uh, we'll be giving one away for every week for the rest of the season. So um, yeah, make sure you are signed up and in it to win it. But yeah, head to our website, keeperleaguepod.com.au slash Zambrero to sign up. And uh, yeah, you could be the lucky winner of uh, a couple of burritos. Anyways, Kays, let's get stuck into the show. All right, into the round rewind, the segment where we look at all the weekend's games and we review all the Keeper League relevant players uh, from the weekend. So we'll start off with Port Adelaide versus Melbourne and Kay's what an absolute shit show. Well, it is if you were a Port Adelaide supporter, but uh, actually the game wasn't overly great. Melbourne did control it a lot, but um, there were some exciting, some exciting things that happened. I think um, I'm just going talking about my tipping, my work tipping. I never do tipping ever, by the way. This is the first season I've actually done it in years and years and years and years. Or it's the first season I've done it without forgetting to do it by like week two and putting my tips in. But um, I'm actually second in the work tips at the moment. But I have been dropping up and down and I always gain ground when Port play because I reckon I've tipped every Port game accurately uh, this year. So I tipped the Melbourne win and uh, that's put me back up to second on the list. So I think I can actually tell. Well, actually, it's not that hard. Just whenever we play a top four, team or a team that's in the eight really um, there's no chance we're winning so we'll put that uh, down as a loss but anyway there's a few keeper league relevant players that uh, did stand out in this game the first thing to talk about is Willem Drew so he had 87 points and he's averaging 74 now and he's playing inside mid role um, the only issue with him and he has looked good don't get me wrong and he's put up some nice scores some definitely some decent 80s and 90s and things like that I just think that this is his ceiling. Like, he's only 23, and that makes a lot of people excited about him. And there might be some more upside. I could be wrong. Like, I was wrong about Oli Wines, um, I guess, this season anyway. We'll wait and see if he backs it up next year. But I thought Oli Wines would be a similar type player where he only has that 90 to 100 max ceiling. And to be honest, what I'm seeing of Willem Drew at the age of 23, this is what I expected to see of him. I'm not super surprised by it. And I've never been someone who's been, like, huge on him because I just don't think he's got a super high ceiling. I don't know, Kays. What are your thoughts on Willem Drew? Uh, he's a good extractor. Um, yeah, he's just one of those guys who does the the little things that you don't always notice week in, week out, but still yeah. always builds a score. So, I do respect those kind of players because they can they can kind of score without you really even uh, taking too much notice. So, um, look, is, is he a keeper? I'm not too sure, but uh, definitely handy, you know, M6, M7, just to, to bump up your, your last few scores. And he's been pretty consistent this year, which is pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on to Charlie Dixon, I've talked about him for four weeks in a row now, I think. 76 points, and it was actually better than what I expected on the weekend, so I thought I'd just throw him in there. Kick two goals, um, just if you own him or you know he's available in your in your waiver wire, just pick him up, keep rolling with him. He'll score well for the rest of the season. Port have a pretty good run home from here, so there should be quite a few goals uh, leaving his boot um, in the next few weeks. So, yeah, Charlie Dixon is one I recommend getting on. Um, and just on to one Melbourne player. So, the, the Stars absolutely dominated for Melbourne, so most of them are 2G, 4P. But um, Cosie Pickett had 87 points, and he caused a lot of headaches for Port Adelaide, and he kicked three goals for the game as well. The only issue uh, with, with Cosie Pickett and all the small forwards, really, is just how many of them become fantasy superstars. Um, there's not a lot out there. So, I can't see him getting a midfield gig or anything like that because he's too valuable up forward but yeah just the only thing is like a lot of people would be keen they see this type of scoring but just in this role I'm just not super keen on him that's all what are your thoughts I love Cozzy um 
he's so exciting to watch. He's just one of those guys you almost want to have on your team just in the the chance that he turns it on and you can uh, really get behind him. But uh, yeah, look, small forward role, always a tough kind of one to, to pencil in. But what I do like about it, he, do, he does seem to have a pretty big tank already. Like he, he works hard. He's He's in most games for for a long period of games, which is good. So, um, will he get into that midfield, especially in the demon side for the next few years? You can't really see it, but it could be a very dangerous um, high half forward for for a long time. Um, uh, don't think he's a keeper though, but definitely one you'd look at early early rounds next year. Yeah, and probably a bit yeah goal dependent as well, which is just makes him up and down. But anyway, um, yeah, like I said, he'll have some moments. He'll be available in like your mid range keeper uh, league drafts most years, and he's definitely the type that can just pop up and get you a decent score here and there. So yeah, not the worst option, but just not the best either. That's all. Um, all right, we talked about that shit show. Let's move on to another shit show, and that was <laughs> Essendon versus the Crows. That is true. Despite the fact that we won by ten goals, Hef, this was easily one of the worst games I've seen this year, and I've watched. A did lot you of end Carlton up watching games. the end of it? I did. I stuck it through. So so, um, okay. uh, you know, got to see my boys win. But, yeah, it wasn't yeah. the most inspiring game. Didn't really help either that time. I selected Tommy Duday as my streamer of the week, and he was absolutely humming. He was on 36 a quarter time, and then uh, was too brave for his own good and got himself knocked out. So, um, yeah, sad, sad scenes, my boy Tom. But uh, on to a few Crows players to start off with. Jake Kelly had 104, um, and he's actually had a pretty solid fantasy year considering his standards. Um, he's averaging the mid-60s this year. Look, it's just down the Crows' backline a lot, obviously, this year. Uh, he's had 19 touches and 12 marks on the weekend. Surprisingly, he's actually had 19, 20, and 19 touches in his last three weeks and averaging 83, which is a pretty good clip. Um, like I can't recommend him, though. Like He's genuinely a lockdown defender, and, and, and on the weekend, he was probably helped by the fact that Tom Duday got injured and um, you know he kind of took a bit more of a, um, a fantasy-friendly role there when um, when Davis went back for the Crow. So, a um, bit of a tip of the cap to Jake, but um, he's, he's going all right for his standards. Now, Hef, Harry Schoenberg had 84, and I think he was arguably arguably one of the Crows' best players. Tag, tag Darcy Parrish, and while Parrish did have a first good quarter, Harry shut him down nicely after that and even outscored Parrish. That's how good he's going. Um, he was humming along at 55 points at halftime, but a, a quiet third quarter put a ton out of his reach. He had 20 touches and seven tackles, uh, kicked a nice goal and almost dobbed another that just fell short. So he was tagging on the weekend. And I actually quite like that role for him, uh, that tagger role, because it he means he gets to, to go head-to-head with all the good players and they get to teach him where to run. So... Don't worry at all, friends. I think he's building nicely, and um, even you would have had to be impressed with this first half, Hef. Yeah, it was fine, but like he's shown glimpses all along, and like I said, this is just what when he has a good game, this is what I expect of him. And I know he's young and all that sort of stuff as well, but you know, this is a super fantasy friendly game, and he can only manage eighty four on probably the back of one of his better performances. So, look, I reckon he's a great player. Don't get me wrong; I just don't think he's going to be the fantasy superstar that you talk him up to be, that's all. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> Billy Frampton had 77 and uh, don't get fooled, everyone. He was very, very bad. Uh, had two absolute stinker set shots on goal and look, while he took 11 marks, he also dropped some absolute sitters when it mattered. Um, at least he led up to the ball on the wing, which was good for the Crows, but Honestly, I think they're absolutely crazy for not playing Fogg or Lynch or both over him. I'm not sure what they see in Big Billy at all. Uh, Mason Redmond had 99 points for the Dons. He was super solid all night, one of our best players. Uh, 25 touches and 11 marks. Took a heap of nice intercept touches and set them up higher up the ground as well. Had a yeah, He was, he was very good in our um, defense to attack. He had a poor game last week, but apart from that, he rarely dips below 60. Um, so, at 23 years old, and there's still plenty of time for future growth for him. I think he's trending towards being a keeper, but not 
quite there yet. Hef, what do you reckon? I'm not going to knock him for last week against not scoring against Geelong because they're a hard team to score against fantasy-wise. Uh, Dyson Heppel being out, do you reckon this had some sort of impact on his scoring though? Possibly. Yeah, that's a, that's a good call. Uh, and Heppel's maybe a week or two away. Look, we know how good Ridley is back there. They're, they're doing quite good things as a, as a back six, the Dons guys. You know, I suppose it's more like what do you think – Would you would you keep him on the fact that he might, you know – go bigger next year or are you just kind of seeing the same things, you know, especially because Apple's got a few years left as well? He's he's a borderline keeper for mine. Like I'm, I'm loving the role and what he's playing this year. Um, and I think you've, you've got a key defender back this year, don't you, that you didn't have last year. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, we're Don't playing like Laverde and um, yeah, that's right. Stewart, Stewart yeah. back there this year. Yeah. yeah, so he's not. You're not relying him to play those kind of taller lockdown roles. Correct. Do you have another key defender that's injured as well? Just well Aaron Francis is out, and also Michael Hurley's not playing. So there's a few guys Hurley, around the that's mark. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think he's going to have to go back to that role. I think just last year was out of necessity. So, yeah, I, I, you could make a case for him, I reckon. Um, you just want to see a few more better scores, like a few, few more games where he scores like this and maybe doing it with uh, Heppel in the side as well, which he has done this year, but just more consistently, I reckon. But, yeah, he's on the borderline. Now, one who's surely close to 2G4P is Jake, the package stringer. Had 99 points on Friday night. And what I loved about him from a fantasy perspective this week is that he didn't have that completely dominant game like he's had over the last few weeks. Uh, still managed to rack up 23 touches, six tackles and kick one goal one, which is almost a stock standard kind of game for what the package should be able to produce. Look, he had eight clearances and that shows you he's an absolute bull in there and um, the plan that Truck has going um, with him and the midfielders is working absolutely nicely. Look, I just like him to the eye and if you had told me that uh, Stringer had 70 on the weekend, I would have believed you. But the fact that he got 99, just one of those games where, you know, he, he just accumulated a bit more than you, you thought and didn't do necessarily flashy stuff, just did the, the inside and under kind of stuff, which is uh, very, very pleasing. So, is Jake close to being 2G4P, Hef? Well, I actually wrote in the, the blurb for this uh, episode, because I did it yesterday because we're recording mm. a day after, and I've already written that we've uh, bid farewell to Jake Stringer. So, I Real reckon beauty. that uh, makes him 2G4P. The thing was, though, like he wasn't scoring that well for a lot of the game. And I think in the last quarter, he had a ridiculous um, number of fantasy points in that last quarter. So, I'm just trying to look it up here now. In the last quarter, he had, come on, where's my app working? I think it was 54 in the last quarter. You know, so he was on 50 something at three quarter, 40 something at three quarter time, and then went bang in the second half. But I think just that shows you the kind of fantasy scoring potential he's actually got. Yeah. Um, and we said last week, I think that he needed to go have a 100 to be 2G4P this week. He got 99, but I'm happy to round that up. So, yeah, I reckon String is 2G4P for the time being. Love it. Uh, another guy who had a 90 score was Archie Perkins, had 91 points and was easily his best game of the season. And I think a little glimpse of what we can expect in the future as well. Had 18 touches and I think you've all probably seen the fact that he scored the same uh, points as the Crows did. He kicked three goals, three, whereas the Crows kicked, I don't know, two goals, nine or something. And they both ended the down 21 points. So Archie Perkins uh, tied with the Crows, which is awesome. Uh, look, I've said it for a few weeks now. He's just incredibly good to watch. He's explosive and has a genuine crack. Um, he just needs to get some confidence at his set shots. But for a kid who's just playing purely on the half-forward flank this year, he's playing very, very well and uh, scoring quite well as well. So if he gets any midfield time in the next couple of years, just uh, I think you can see those scores um, keep growing higher and higher and higher. 
Just got uh, a bit of funny, a funny story about uh, Archie Perkins in this game. So my workmates uh, had a multi on and they're not the most astute uh, AFL watchers. Um, definitely not good fantasy players. Or one of them doesn't even play fantasy, but they had um, a multi on that included Archie Perkins to kick two goals or more. And me and another guy who are right into our fantasy and watch a fair bit of footy were just like, he's not even going to get two touches, mate. <laughs> like, he'll like, struggle to get that. And uh, yeah, went on to kick three goals for the night and he kicked I think, the two goals before half time and had it in the bag. Obviously, they're multi failed because they had some ridiculous legs in it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was pretty funny. But anyway, that's <laughs> one leg got up. Uh, Will Snelling had 88 points and he just continues his super run of form 24 touches and a goal. Just loving his pressure and ball use and has really good speed as well. I think if we ever get back to full strength, he's one that's definitely going to hold his spot for sure. I think he's easily outperforming someone like Devin Smith, who's been incredibly disappointing. And um, I'm going to say it now, Will Snelling is definitely a keeper going forward. He's going to keep that forward status. His um, his average is fantastic. He doesn't seem to have a um, a low floor at all. He's just super consistent. So I'm, I'm big on Will Snelling and I think the Dons are too. So he can lock him away for a long time if you're an owner. And uh, nice to see Nick Cox get back to some form with the 73. And even Tom Cutler had 77 and looked okay. But saying that, the Crows were very, very bad. It's a big call on Will Snelling, lock him away for a long, long time. He's going to... Definitely be a keeper for many years to come. That's correct. Have you seen his okay. how he's actually going this year, mate? Yeah, I have. But hasn't he been playing a bit of midfield time or something as well? Bit of wing, bit of half forward. He's averaging yeah. 78.5. Is basically, what's his worst score this year? His worst score is a 52. Um, he's gone 88, 97, 86s. He's just a, you know, you just you always need one of those solid scoring forwards. Um, and I think yeah, he's no, that, just he's looking that at guy. His- Looking at his heat map now, he does look like he's still playing a fair bit forward. I just seemed to notice him on the wing, like high up the ground, that's all. Mm. So I wasn't really sure where he was actually playing, if he was going to keep that forward status. But yeah, it looks like he was going to keep it for at least another year. Yeah. Hard, hard working man. Uh, Rightio, yeah. on to the Hawks and Frio game on Saturday. Uh, not a bad game. Uh, Lockie Bramble, I'll talk about first, 99 points. Um, the rookie just got a heap of it off the halfback flank. He jumped into that impy Hardwick roll nicely as the their main move from the back line. He had 27 touches at 85%, which is very good going. I suppose the big question is, will the, the roll last? Unsure, but look, there's definitely going to be some points to be scored back there in the Hawthorne back line. Um, you know, no impy, no day. Uh, Hardwick wasn't there on the weekend. Scrimshaw is now out. Uh, J- Jythes is... Uh, Jyth is now out as well uh, with his knee. So, look, there's plenty of spots up for that um, that halfback, ra- halfback flanker spot. So, um, he could be one to kind of pencil in for the rest of the year. And uh, the ball does spend a fair bit of time in the Hawthorne back line too. So, um, Lockie Bramble showing some good signs too. Most of talk about his partner in crime on the day there, Damon Graves. He had 80. So, he was there late in for for Hardwick and basically did what Bramble did, but just didn't quite get as much of the ball as him. Um, Graves had 20 touches and also went at 85%, which is good going for him. Look, as I said, it was down there a heap um, and the Hawks do look to switch it around a lot. So, um, you know, Graves has good fantasy ability. Uh, Not quite sure he sits in their depth chart, you know, especially because someone like Bramble was playing ahead of him uh, before the layout. But look, for the rest of this year, I think these two guys are going to get a a fair crack at it back there and uh, definitely worth looking at. Hef, you're, you're a Graves man. I'm a Greaves man. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> don't know how many times I have to say it, but that's all right. Um, yeah, look, I just it was just kind of back to his role that he kind of played at the end of last year. Less defensive and just more opportunity in terms of just what defenders were out for uh, for Hawthorne as well. So, um if some of these like if they do decide to put some of these players on ice or uh, they do um just kind of, you know, 
try to rotate roles through there for the rest of the season, I reckon he could be uh, good going. Lucky Bramble is the one that kind of interests me a little bit more though because he just seems to be the kind of uh, cleaner ball user, uh, good pace behind him or just, you know, moves well anyway. Um, yeah, I think both of those guys are generally, uh, generally people we have to be looking at. The only issue is just the competition for spots, that's all. Yeah, especially when they're at full strength. But looks like they might not be for, for the rest of this season, Hawthorne. Um, Dylan Moore had 83, and he's a guy I just really love. Uh, you just couldn't ask anyone to have more of a crack than he does. Uh, Kicked the first goal of the game. It ended with 19 touches and five tackles. Look, to put up the scores that he does week in, week out in the shit show, that is the Hawks forward line, I think is very good. Um, yes, he can be a bit up and down, but none of the 16 games he's gone 70-plus, which is more than good enough for your last forward on your spot. Um, look, he's, I don't think he's quite a keeper, but uh, he's well on his way because what he's doing is, um, yeah, high-level high, high level stuff, laying lots of tackles, still finding the footy. I'm a big Dylan Moore fan, and, um, yeah, he's on my list. I'm not sure if I'm going to keep him or not. I don't think I can, but um, he's just he's just putting his name up for contention, Hef. Yeah, no, he pops up with some nice scores here and there, and he's a player that kind of, no matter his role, he still can find, um, find ways to score as well. So, um, like, he does kind of play a bit of a higher – kind of forward role as well. So um, he can get involved in a bit more of the play, especially with the way that Hawthorne moved the ball. But like I said, Izzy's, your, your team's in pretty good nick, so it's going to be hard to make a case for him, but there's definitely potential there going forward. Agreed. Now, Hef, James Warple had 63 points. What has happened to your boy? He is an absolute shadow of his former self, but look, he wasn't alone. Jago Amira only uh, had 52 points as well and was very stinky. Now, the Warpedo has had eight of 15 games where he's gone below 70, and that's just unacceptable as a mid. Uh, I own him in our podcaster's league, and he's just a, a bench option only for me. Is he a keeper? Are you going to keep him? Are you going to show blind faith that he's going to improve? Or, or where's he at? Because this is the crossroads for, for the Warpedo. Have you seen my team? Who the hell else am I going to keep? Oh, um, you, could, you could keep anyone. He, he's horrible. <laughs> uh, well, look, he's playing a few different roles this season. So, I think he went to Brayshaw quite early and played a pretty hard tag on him, but then kind of moved off and then tried to play a bit more of a, a natural game after that because I don't think it's actually what Hawthorne want him to actually do. And also, it's just not helping his game. So, it just kind of, they moved him off him and he was a little bit better after um, after that happened. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I think they just try and all of like they just try and basically Hawthorne in general are just doing a few different things with their their whole side this year, just trying to see what works and what doesn't. So I think he's just a bit of a victim of that at the moment. I'm definitely keeping just uh, you know knowing what his fantasy scoring has been in the past, and if we can get back to that role. And I know we talk about Mitchell and stuff like that, and you know he hasn't played with them before, but you know many sides have more than one good midfielder. Like look at Brisbane for example, you had they have three or four guys that can go 100 plus each week. So I wouldn't say that that's generally the 100 percent the issue. I reckon it's more so that um, yeah it's more so that they're just kind of trying to work out what's best for him and the way he could you know actually go around you know playing some different roles and see what how he can develop his game that's all Mm, I'm worried. I'm very worried. But uh, on to some good players. Uh, Rory Lobb had 99 points and the big ruck lobster was on fire early. Kicked three goals, one, and had 55 points at quarter time and looked like he was going to run an absolute clinic out there, but uh, did quieten down as the game went on. Look, poor kicking. He kicked four goals, three in the end, just kind of cost him a bigger score. And amazingly, he didn't even add a point to his name in the last quarter. So uh, started the th- fourth quarter on 99 points and ended on 99 points. Look, he's mixing his form, but when he's on, 
one he's on. Um, kind of hard to recommend. I was looking at Fremantle's draw coming up. They got some tough games. They got the Cats, the Swans, the Tigers, the Lions, the Eagles, and the Saints. Um, almost hard to see mate the the eight from there with that draw, but um, also hard to see. You know, some of those big forwards kick many goals going forward as well. So. Um, Liking what I'm seeing from Rory Lobb, but uh, just a bit wary of maybe saying he's a starter for the rest of the season uh, with the matchups. Josh Tracy is another one. He had 86 points and uh, the big kahuna, as he's called, is is very fun to watch. He's just a big bloke, big mitts, old school forward. Um, I think he's going to be a good player, but he definitely won't be the fantasy type. Um, he's going to have a lot more games where he's not going to score well purely because He's not that, you know, um, roaming, um, athletic kind of forward. He's a, he's a big stay-at-home kind of guy. So, look, he's had five games where he's gone under 40 this season. So, um, you kind of can't bank on that um, scoring week to week, which is why a bit of a tip of the cap to, to Tracy and one to look at when, you, when you're watching the footy, but uh, not from a fantasy point of view. And lastly, for the Frio Dockers, Bailey Banfield had 70. So, anyone who watched the game would have heard that Jared Healy had a bigger man crush on him uh, than I do on Ben Keys, which is strange. But uh, it is possible. Look, Banfield was very good. He only had the 13 touches, but did kick three goals. Um, and the touches he had, had were high quality, and he did set up a lot of goals. I'll give him that. I'm a Bailey Banfield fan. I, I liked him from his junior days. I was an owner probably a few years ago when he first came to the side, but I just don't see him getting any midfield time with the, the quality of the midfield they have, especially their youngsters, you know, Brayshaw, Chera, Sarong, etc. So I'd love to see him play for the rest of the year just to see what he's going to do um, because I think he's got qualities there, but um, yeah, just don't see where he fits long-term in that Frio side. So um, yeah, that's it for the, the Frio Hawthorne game. I'll move on to the Carlton versus Geelong game. And you were pretty thankful that I took this game, uh, put my hand up to watch this one. It actually wasn't the worst game. And, well, if Carlton would kick straight early, um, it would have been a bit of a, you know, a very cl- much closer game. But uh, yeah, Geelong just kicked away in the end and made it a bit of a, I don't know, what was the margin in the end? 26 points, a little bit of a blow up, but it was still not the worst game to watch. We'll talk about a few um, players in this game though. So Jack Nunes uh, had 92 points and it's just a tip of the cap just purely because he's too inconsistent. He's only averaging 66 this season. It's not even guaranteed probably best 22 all the time as well. So um, yeah, not for me, but he can put up scores like this. So can be a handy loophole option if you do have him in your side, but that's as far as I'd go. Um, Tom DeConing though had 91 points and he's been the number one ruck the last few weeks with Pitnet out and it was just good to see what he could do against just a bit of a lesser ruck uh, matchup so Geelong is just not the most formidable outside for rucks so he'll need to back this up to show that he's actually worthy of being a decent fantasy scorer but he's worth grabbing off the waiver wire uh, right now given his role being number one ruck because it could lead to some bigger scores over the next few weeks um Matthew Kennedy had 74 points and he found it a lot harder to find the footy this week. But I think what was positive, and I, I guess just Geelong are a hard team to score against, but what was good was just kind of like Stringer, how he just had a big last quarter where he you know, saved his kind of score, scoring 29 points in the last quarter. So I just find it encouraging when a player is down and out. In previous times, they would have actually just kind of dropped the head or not backed it up. But Matt Kennedy actually found a way to get some points scoring done later in the game. And I think he was actually used a bit more because he was up forward a little bit as well. I think they just kind of chucked him in the midfield for the last quarter and let him just go nuts. So that was uh, good to see as well. But unfortunately, the game was done and dusted before that actually happened so I'm not sure what that means for I guess his split between mid and forward going you know ahead of this game but we'll wait and see and uh 
Moving on to some Geelong players, uh, Lockie Henderson just had another one of the tip of the cap games, 89 points, and it's not unusual for him to do this every now and then, but he's only averaging 67, so it just makes him a bit of a loophole or stream option when there's uh, a team with don't have huge, um, you know, dominant uh, tall forwards. But uh, he's had five scores over 80 this season, so if you did pick him up, it's probably not the worst. It's just not someone you want to field each week. And the last one for Geelong is Reese Stanley, who had 72 points, and he's not the worst ruck option if you need one. The only issue is his job security is just super shaky. Um, he's in and out of the side a lot, but when he's when he plays, he generally scores okay. But the big concern is he's just or well, for Blitzarv's owners, he would have loved that run that Blitzarv's had as a forward, and you could have played him in your defence and would have you know got your eighty plus most weeks. Um, it's just killed his scoring coming back into the side. So, but that's the flowing effect, and I think we all saw it coming eventually anyway. So yeah, but anyway, that's all the keeper league relevant players from that game. Um, any observations from those case? Um, where's Paddy Dow? Uh, it didn't score that well this week. So oh. the only reason he was like brought up last week that where people were talking about him is because he had that huge first quarter. And I think you must have checked Twitter after the game and saw people were talking about him, but we stopped talking about him after he went shit in the second half. So, uh, yeah, it's just interesting. But Kennedy yeah, or no, Dow? Dow? Long term. Kennedy or Dow? Kennedy, yeah, Kennedy by a mile. Yeah. Abs- not even a question. Okay. But anyway, um, move on to the Brisbane Lions versus St. Kilda game. This was actually a bit of a good one to watch as well. And it's good to see the underdog get up every now and then. But uh, look, uh, we'll move on to some uh, Brisbane players to start off with. Grant Burnshaw at 81 points. And he's averaging 78 this year. And it's actually his best scoring season since 2016. So... Um, he was always a handy kind of, you, you know, if you're a, if you're a good side or if you're a contending side, he was always been a good kind of um, D four. But uh, yeah, at the moment, um, yeah, he can be. Uh, you'll be able to get him on the cheap if you are contending for a flag. So, and he probably win your grand final just scoring an eighty, you know, as your last defender. So if you can get him on the cheap in your leagues, I think we we sound like a broken record saying this, but just do it. Like he's such a handy stake knives option in a trade that can actually be, um, you know, conducive to fantasy scoring, but then also pretty easy to get off a player, um, especially if they're not contending. Uh, moving on to uh, some St. Kilda players because there wasn't a lot of Brisbane players to talk about. Tim Membry had 101 points and he kicked two goals and what was kind of interesting, he did a bit of chopping out across halfback too. So when um, St. Kilda just wanted to slow the game down and get to the end of the quarter, they'd chuck him back. And he just took a few marks across halfback as well, which I thought was interesting and might be a bit handy um, if just adding a few plus threes and plus sixes, especially if he takes the kick um, onto his score. But um, yeah, I think it's just worth owning if Saints are up and about. And they seem to be playing a little bit better footy, um, especially on the weekend. So if they can get on a bit of a run, um, I think that he will go okay. And I reckon they're a good chance against Port next week as well. Um, Apparently, it's the weather's going to be shocking. The roof's going to be open at Marvel and Port don't like being um, challenged. So, I think uh, he might go okay again this weekend. What do you reckon about Membry? Uh, firstly, who are you going to tip this week? Tipping Oracle? I'm tipping the Saints this week, I think. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah look, when a, when a key forward gets, gets off the chain, they're scoring very well this year. So, um, he's got a tough matchup though. Like, he's going to have to take a leer or someone like that. So, it's not going to be an easy day out, is it? Um, I don't know. Like- Aaliyah is a pretty good defender, but he's not super, super, super restrictive. So, I don't know. You, um, you saw, uh, I don't know. I, I, you see a few key forwards go okay against Port Adelaide, and then we find it hard to struggle. I think Port struggled a bit with just Port's forward line. Uh, with um, uh, Who did we play last week? I can't remember now. Um, Melbourne. <laughs> Melbourne's forward line on the weekend. So, uh, yeah, I don't. I can see him getting off the leash, but, yeah, I don't know. 
Um, we'll move on. Uh, ben Long had 97 points and he'd been playing up forward uh, for the last few weeks. And it was his first good score in that role in a game where Saints won pretty easy. But I wouldn't read too much into it unless he just backs up a few times. Um, wherever Ben Long plays, he's just never been that great of a fantasy scorer. So a bit of a tip of the cap. wouldn't be getting too excited about this one. Um, and we, we talked about Ben King a lot last week, but we'll talk about Max King this week. And he had 84 points and kicked three goals and just looked real dominant in patches of the game. And we talked about key forwards last week just not being super, you know, super great for fantasy. And, you know, Tex Walker is basically the best one this year. And is that someone you really want to alarm? But I just did a bit of research and looked at his ADP. So this is an ultimate footy. So it does um, involve uh, redraft leagues as well. But I think it does balance a ride out with keeper league stuff as well. So his ADP was 257th. And this is what I was trying to get at last week with key forwards. At that kind of ADP, guys that had lower ADP or higher ADP, I should say, were players like Will Powell, Lockie Ash, Isaac Cumming, Jarman Impey, and even players like Fiorini who, you know, haven't been in the side for a lot of the time, but are better fantasy scorers. Like, I'd probably pick them, any of those, just to kind of take a punt on their fantasy potential more than I'd before I'd pick Max King or any other key forward at that range. What do you reckon? I think it's about a name, like... People get to that point of a draft and, you know, potentially not as astute or they don't put as much time into it. So, they go, I'm going to draft, you know, Max or Ben King because I know their name. Whereas, you know, Will Power, Lockie Ash, Isaac Cumming, even Jarman Impey aren't necessarily household names, I would say. So, potentially that comes into it around that kind of time. But I do agree with you. Like, I own Lockie Ash and Jarman Impey. I'll be starting them every day of the week over Max King. So, um, maybe people get a bit excited a bit early on. But, um I think people I see like saying. I think people see like key forwards and they're like, well, they're going to kick goals and they're going to be, you know, every now and then they'll go okay. But yeah, I just think I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think like you know, I don't, I'm not saying don't pick up key forwards. I just think people go way too early on them. And like when people are picking up those key forwards, you can find value in your, the your lesser knowns or players that just have better roles for fantasy. And that's like you know, classic example this year, like what like picking up Devin Robertson for me. I know he was trash on the weekend, but. I'd much rather take a punt on someone like him late than, you know, someone like Max King, you know, um, and I reckon you're going to get more out of them fantasy-wise going forward than you're going to get out of Max King. So, but I guess the difference is Robertson will lose his forward status this year and won't be as relevant. But anyway, I don't know. I just think people just go way too early on key forwards, that's all. Um, Callum Wilkie had 81 points and Hipwood going down did free him up a little bit and he took seven marks in defense, which helped. But he had 18 touches and 15 of those uh, he used on his foot as well coming out of defense. And he's had nine scores over 70 um, and six scores over 80 and two tons this year. So I think he's worth owning as cover. And there's a bit of a change to the um, St. Kilda's um, game plan, which I'll talk about getting into Jimmy Webster here. So Jimmy Webster had 79 points and his last three average has been 84. And St. Kilda have been playing this high possession game style coming out of defense, kind of like how West Coast play when they're up and about. Um, we've seen some good scores from St. Kilda defenders recently too. And Webster also took a couple kick-ins, which helped his score too. But I think he's turning a few heads um, with coaches. Just if you look at his last three average, um, averaging 84, it's it's not a bad call. So I'm not sure how long it continues and I'm not sure how much longevity he does have in a keeper league. But he potentially could be someone that you could take off the waivers and he could put up some good scores for you um, for the back end of the season, maybe help you in finals. What do you think about Jimmy Webster? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just not that excited about him. Like, yes, for this year, but as a longer-term proposition, definitely not. I think they're going to have to play someone like um, Caulfield or they're going to have to get some of these guys in over Webster at some stage, aren't they? Because is he really the future? I'm not too sure. How old is he? He's 28. So, I don't know. He's doing. He's, he's very serviceable at the moment. Um, 
but I don't think he's a keeper. And, and I think if you're going to look at someone like him, unless you're challenging this year, he's not really someone I have in my calculations. Yeah, I'm the same. He's not someone I'd be wanting to have in my side. There's some younger players I'd rather take a punt on. But yeah, for this year, he might put up some decent scores for you. Uh, Ryan Burns, uh, speaking of guys who I think are going to be good for the future, or yeah, who this guy will be, I reckon. So he had 75 points on the weekend um, and he kicked two goals. It's just going to be interesting to see where he ends up playing. So he was recruited as a like a bit of a kind of good balanced midfield, both can play both inside and outside, but he's been very much an outside player um, or more so of an outside player. So what's been good about him is like he just play on a wing, half back forward, and he's been playing forward a bit this season as well. So he kicked a couple goals, like I mentioned on the weekend. So um, he's just got a lot of tricks in his bag. And he's with this kind of versatility, I could see him becoming um, a good player in the future. So, yeah, I think he's probably a couple years away um, because just looking at St. Kilda's side, they've got a bit of an aging list. And I think they'll probably try to keep having a crack over the next season or two um, with some of the older players. But when they fall away again, which is probably inevitable, St. Kilda, um, I think he might be one of the kind of up-and-comers or the next one of the next stars for St. Kilda. So I reckon he's one worth grabbing and just stashing for the future. What do you think? Yeah, I think the fact that he's playing in this side, um, you know, we saw Zach Jones coming this week and he still held his spot. Uh, he's keeping someone like Jack Bytel out. I think that that um, says a lot about uh, Burns' ability and kind of where he sits in the St Kilda ranks. So, um, yeah, I think he's a, he's a good option uh, long term and this year as well. All right, uh, that wraps up that game. Let's move on to GWS versus the Gold Coast Suns. Yes, in the windy Ballarat. Uh, crazy kind of game to watch because um, a lot of the players didn't necessarily handle the, the conditions that a lot of amateur or country footballers seem to face each week with, you know, genuine five or six goal breezes and stuff like that. So, um, good to see that the best still struggle in those conditions. But... Uh, Good win by the Suns. Uh, Chris Burgess was fantastic, had 123 points, and he was pretty good in that midfield, had 38 hitouts and kicked a goal. Uh, also had the 17 touches, 16 of those being kicks. Uh, also laid a few tackles and took some marks. My concern is, is he the long-term option in there, and, and what are the Suns going to do with their rucks? You know, Jared Witts is, will obviously come back and be the number one ruckman off that ACL. He is aging. Are they going to try and recruit someone else to fill that gap? Because Burgess himself is 25, and... Probably not yet your stereotypical Ruckman. But look, I think despite that, he's got the back forward status this year. I think he can be a good Ruck forward option going forward because um does get up forward, does take a good clunk and can be handy in the midfield. So they're playing the Dogs this week, 20% owned. I think he's a, a genuine um, good opportunity to, to score again against Tim English in the midfield this week. Hef, you're a big Chris Burgess man, aren't you? <laughs> I just like the way Dossie says his name on the uh, on the pod pod, the uh, Chrissy Burgess. Um, yeah, like... Uh, he's, he was buoyed on the weekend by the fact that there was just such a windy, scrappy game at uh, Mars Stadium. So, a um, lot of, lot of um, ball-ups and we talked about this on the Wave Wide podcast that Mumford actually had 54 hitouts, I think, um, and then Burgess had 38. So, that just gives an indication of how many stoppages there were because, you know, no one could hit targets because the wind would just like literally blow the ball back at them. So, it just creates stoppages and things like that. So, um, I don't love him as much when he's playing away from that. But that said, like coming up against the Bulldogs this week, um, I think he'll still go okay. Like he, he should go around probably the 80, you know, 80 mark um, in terms of fantasy scoring. So, it could be okay. I think Gold Coast did pick up a Ruckman in the mid-season draft. I think it was that Ned Moyle. I think that, is he a Ruckman? Mm, um, maybe. But yeah, uh, they picked up. I think they did pick up someone um, uh, in the in the um, thing. I'm trying to work out. Was he a Ruckman? I don't know. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure they picked up a Ruck there. So because they knew that someone coming out. But I think with um, with Wits. Uh, 
being a long way away and Smith just absolutely sucking. Um, I think Burgess might get a little bit of a run, um, but then, yeah, hopefully he gets ruck status. I oh, know. Will it like, so will he, I don't think he's that useful as like a ruck only though as well. I think you want to I think he'll be his, a ruck forward. He'll be DPP yeah, ruck forward. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought as well. So if he's playing ruck and got forward status, then yeah, he could be a good option going forward. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Braden Fiorini had 113 points and that we know he can score when he plays, but this was a lot better game from him from a footy perspective. Um, look, 25 touches, but laid nine tackles, which is a good thing for him. Uh, still had the six turnovers and went at 60% disposal efficiency, but from what I saw, worked a lot harder than I've seen him do before. Look, probably has to keep his spot now. Uh, Greenwood's out for the rest of the year with a PCL um, and David Swallow would probably come back in, but um, he's doing enough to, to hold his spot, I think. Um don't know who else they're going to play. Maybe Will Brody or, or Darcy McPherson. But um, from that, I'd be shocked if um, he got dropped for this week. Nick Holman had 92 points. Uh, only the 11 touches from him, but 12 tackles. Look, he's had a couple nice scores this year, but more of a tip of the cap game in the, the tough blowy conditions from him. Now, Charlie Ballard's one. Oh, sorry. I- can I just talk about Nick Holman? Just, I didn't see the first half, but in the second half, it looked like he was playing a fair bit in midfield. So, is he moving into Greenwood's role and... Could he be someone that might be a bit more viable going forward this season? Uh, potentially, but I think if you're having that role and you're only getting 11 touches, that's my worry. I think it's still the he's just a genuine pressure kind of player. Um, yeah, but that's like Greenwood's kind of role as well. He just tackles his way to a decent score. Like he could go okay. Well, then they could just bring in Will Brody for that role if they really want to. Uh, I think Nick Holman's more dangerous up forward, isn't he, than necessarily as a midfielder? Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I just I, that's what I, I thought I saw on the weekend, that's all. Yeah, I think you want to get a few more touches if you're, if you're doing that. Okay. Uh, Charlie Ballard had 87 points. And look, I love watching this guy play. He's actually one of the great intercept marks of the the modern game, I think. Uh, he's only a smaller kind of bloke, but can take a grab. Uh, had 19 touches, nine marks, 18 of those were kicks. Look, he's had six or 15 games at 70 plus, And I think one day he'll be a genuine fantasy player and possibly even a keeper. But uh, he's only 21. And I think he just needs another year or two for his body just to get to a bigger frame and um, a bit stronger around that. But uh, look, the way he reads the ball uh, across halfbacks, fantastic. And uh, yeah, really enjoy his stuff. Jeremy Sharp had 61 points and he did some really good stuff um, and did get enough of the footy. He had 20 touches. Look, the tough winning conditions meant that they rarely played one of the wings um, all day, so didn't always have a chance to to kind of have four quarters of consistent uh, ball coming through his wing. But look, he's tracking beautifully in my book and uh, got speed and uses it quite well as well. And lastly, Matthew Rao, 57 points. Now, what I liked about his game, he laid nine tackles. He was in the the midfield all day. But what I don't like is he only had seven touches and three of them were late in the game. um, And he did happen to kick the winner, which bumped his score up as well. So, not going to lie, I'm a bit worried about him at the moment because he's getting every chance in that midfield. It's just not the same Matthew Rao we saw early last year. Um, I'm probably willing to let him go for the rest of the year, just coming off the the back of the injury. And obviously, we know the injury he had last year. Maybe he just needs to, to kind of get fit and, um, you know, mentally a bit better with, you know, not worrying about the shoulders and the knees and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of shocked we haven't seen a, a big score from him yet. Hef, what do you think? He just needs to build some faith in his body, really. Um, I think he's still a bit tentative. Like, a lot of his tackles don't look like he's going, you know, you know, right in as hard as he could be. Um, I don't think he's moving as well as he, you know, probably was at the start of last year. I think he just needs to, yeah, one, get the fitness back up, like, 
full full preseason, get back to where he should have been. And then also just, yeah, just get a bit of faith and, you know, be able to lay a few tackles or, you know, make a few runs and stuff without fearing what the body's going to do to him. And, that, and that'll only happen over time, I think. You just got to kind of get that psychology, you know, happening, get it, get the bad thoughts out of your brain, that sort of stuff. And I think over time, he'll, he'll be better for it. But I think this year, we're not going to see too much from him, that's all. So what would you say to anyone who's thinking of offloading him? Uh, only offload him if it's going to win your flag. Keep him otherwise. Shane Mumford for the Giants had 91 points. And uh, while Big Mummy only had seven touches, he made up for that with 53 hitouts. Also laid his customary six tackles as well to show Burjo who was boss in the middle. But was uh, I was actually going to have him as my streamer of the week last week, but I just have no idea what's going on with the GWS Rocks at the moment. Are they going to play the Flynn-Mumford combo? Are they going to play Flynn one out? Are they going to play Mummy one out? I just don't really know. So um, kind of hard to necessarily recommend off the the waiver wires because um, while he is scoring well and he's playing, I just don't know if he's going to play week to week. So if you can make the decision late, um, go for it because he scored 78 and 91 in his last two games. So um, he's actually kind of bumped up his scoring nicely. So uh, interesting with Mummy. Hef, you've got a bit of a thought about his new role. Well, not roll, just this game. This is game. There's just so many stoppages, so many hitouts. So, um, and they're playing at Mars again this weekend. So, I wouldn't be surprised if there's, you know, just on the back of the windy conditions and um, lots of stop starting kind of top game, lots of ball ups that he could go big again this weekend. But uh, yeah, he's actually uh, might be my streamer of the week. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, um, yeah, that's all. I'm, that's all I'm really thinking as a keeper though. Long term, he's got no value. So I don't know. Bit of a nothing pick. If you own him, you might get some good scores out him for the rest of the season. But he's not worth chasing, and he's not worth really worrying about too much. Other than the people that own him, that's all. Yeah, uh, and lastly for the game, Brent Daniels has 74 points. A guy I absolutely love. Just love his hustle and start off the game super well. Ended it with 20 touches and six tackles. Um, got injured at a horrible time in the preseason and, and didn't play much footy at the start of the year. Um, I was going to look at him as a, as a late pickup in a draft, but obviously the injury um, he had just kind of scared me off there. But definitely one I'm keen to look at next year. He's only 22. I like him a lot. Um, and just shows a bit more than your average kind of pressure small forward. I think he's tracking along that Dylan Moore kind of style of, um, you know, um, just being able to find the footy no matter how hard it could be at times. So, love Brent Daniels. Could be the, the poster boy of uh, the Keeper League podcast because I uh, don't know if he'll ever be good enough, but just absolutely loves the way. I love the way he goes about it. So, um, keep that up, Brent. All right, a bit of an upset result between Western Bulldogs and Sydney Swans case. It really was. Sydney played some fantastic footy, um, led by all their younger brigade, brigade really. They um, played really well, and Tom McCartan was a big part of that win. He had 81 points and was sensational in defence, taking 10 marks. Look, he's becoming a very, very good defender in real footy. Um, the 81 points on the weekend equaled his PB for the season. Uh, funnily enough, he took 10 marks on that day too. So, obviously, he needs the marks to, to get his scores up. Look, I can't recommend, um, you know, as a, as a keeper or a fantasy proposition, but uh, because of the, the lockdown role he, t- role he plays. But genuine tip of the cap to Tom McCartan. He's looking very settled and um, very elite down in that Sydney back line. Now, Hef, Nick Blakey came back from the dead. Uh, 79 points from him, and he was back across his new role on that halfback flank. And look, this freed up um, Sydney to play Geordie Dawson on the wing. I think Dawson kicked three goals from the wing. Um, but Blakey was very good and uh, very fantasy relevant across that halfback line, had 18 touches and seven marks. Now, if this role continues, get on board. But my big question is, will it? You know, there's a few guys that can come back into that that Sydney side. Um, you know, will they want to get Dawson in the back line? I'm not too sure. Blakey did play well. It's, it's a bit of a... If if it 
if all the cards fall perfectly, Blakey's a fantastic option. But if they don't, he could be going back to being fantasy irrelevant. I think the what we saw from Jordan Dawson, he just had a, an outstanding game. I think they're going to keep playing Jordan Dawson on that wing role because he was just so, so damaging for Sydney. So I think he does play that role. It just depends more so who else there is to come back into that side. I'm not, I can't actually think of who else does need to come back in that side off the top of my head. But I think if Blakey is playing this role, then he's, it's definitely the one that suits him the most out of the forward role we've seen, out of the wing role we've seen. I reckon just getting behind the ball as a, you know, as a junior forward, he's probably quite good at reading the ball coming in. He can get to the right spots and uh, get ready to intercept. And because he's a pretty decent user of the ball when he's got the, uh, the, the footy in hand I think he's pretty valuable off this halfback role for Sydney so hopefully it does continue hopefully he can keep his forward status for another season um, and yeah he might be something to look at going forward yeah I suppose the big one is James Robottom to come into that team uh, Chad Warner he's been playing more midfield though in. really like, but it's just how they like, then shuffle around the rest of the team like you know yes he's yeah, not okay. going to come back and play the halfback role but would you rather you know Chad Warner on the wing as opposed to Dawson and then Dawson has to go back and and get back into that halfback spot. That's that's kind of my concern. Um, not someone swapping straight for that role, but to get the- I the think, I personally think that, I think they'd rather, they'd rather Dawson on the wing from here on, I reckon. I think Chad Warren has been offering that much since, like when he was playing inside earlier, he was great, but I don't think he can get back on the inside. And I don't think he's offering as much on the wing as say someone like Dawson probably could. I think they do run with Blakey in the spot. That's my gut feel. Ooh, Remedy can put your gut feel there from Heffy. It is. Uh, Justin McInerney continued his good form, uh, 74 points from him, had 19 touches and got 11 marks this time, which helped bump his score up a bit. Um, had a hot first half and, and quietened down in the second. But look, I'm loving his progression and his role in the team and can guarantee you he'll be back Senate DPP next year for sure. So um, if you want to get a piece of him now while he's only a, a centre, uh, he'll get back at it next year, I guarantee you. And uh, lastly for the Dogs, really the only uh, fantasy uh, sorry, the keeper league relevant one is Jamara Ugelhagen. Had 23 points. Um, all eyes were on the number one pick. Only had the seven touches on debut and was a little bit fumbly, but um, obviously that's fine in your AFL debut. Look, what I liked about him is he ran to a lot of good spots and I think with a bit of luck he could have snagged one or two and, and found a couple more touches, but um, he's not going to be a fantasy player for a while. He's still quite slight. Um, you know, while he does kind of get to all the right spots, doesn't necessarily command the footy, I don't think, at the moment. So, um, look, he's going to be a few years away from being fantasy relevant. But, um, yeah, it looks like he does uh, have the goods. Hef, did you see any of Jamara's game? I uh, saw so the first uh, hour or so of the game before I, because I was watching the Richmond versus Collingwood game for the show. Um, but the one, the one thing I just noticed, he did seem to get to the right spots a lot of the time. So I think that's going to be good going forward. But whether what role he plays alongside the other tools and the other, you know, the forwards up there for Western Bulldogs, we'll have to wait and see. But the one thing that I did find encouraging is just he seemed to have a good footy brain um, and seemed to get to the right spots as well. So yeah, I don't mind, but you'd have to see, you'd have to see a lot more of him before you could actually make a proper assessment, I think. But anyway. Uh, we'll move on to Richmond versus Collingwood. Um, Cannon McIntosh, 86 points. Um, just typical score for him as his, you know, the kind of player he is. Um, probably going to be in a lot of uh, draft pools next year and, you know, especially in those mid-range leagues. So, good score, but it's just a bit, it's not exciting, that's all. Um, Dan Butler had 70, Dan Butler. Am Dan I'm Butler play that? for St. Kilda? Dan Butler does play for St. Kilda. And I'm thinking of Liam Baker, obviously. Hey. 
<laughs> I don't know why I got those two mixed up. Maybe it was the haircut from last year or something like that. But uh, Liam Baker had 70, 78 points um, and he was back up forward this week. So that was uh, pretty interesting to see. And he kicked two goals. So it looked comfy in this role, like as he probably should because he's been playing there his whole life. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure that this would just equate to better or more consistent fantasy scoring for him overall. I just think it was a bit of an outlier game. Um, not a lot of Richmond players were doing much else. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of people thought he might go a bit bigger with Hooley um, out um, of the side this week and they thought he might step up in that role but we just saw Short go ham and then we think they used Rioli back there as well so they moved him up forward and he scored well but I just can't see it being uh, yeah big long term that's all um, Jordan Degoe now he has to be 2G4P now doesn't he Case 170 points on the weekend that's He's, super doesn't, hasn't he had three tons in a row as well Yes, and they've been like really convincing tons as well. Yeah. Um, just playing that midfield role, the split, you know, between forward and mid is fantastic. He can still get up and be dangerous around the goals as well. Um, yeah, he's going okay. The, there is a bit of a concern though, and I don't want to, you know, go down this road too much, but he does have his, um, he, he has to put in a plea in the next few weeks um, and he'll find out whether he's guilty or not guilty um, after that as well. So he might miss potentially miss the last two rounds of the season, um, depending what happens. So yeah, it's just gonna be interesting to see what happens there. Um and yeah, uh, who knows what's actually gonna happen. But for now I think he has to be two G four P in uh that scoring. So yeah. Anyway, uh moving on Jamie Elliott um had a hundred points and I like him way more up forward this season. Um just goes to show uh that more midfield time doesn't equate to, you know, better fantasy scoring, essentially. So um Dugowie was better in that role for Collingwood anyway, so playing the role that Elliot was playing last year. But, you know, Jamie Elliott's still too up and down for my liking. Um, I think he'd be a lot better if Collingwood were a better side. And he can turn up on his day, which he's shown a few times this year. But, uh, yeah, Jamie Elliott, too up and down for mine. Nothing more than a loophole slash streamer for me at the moment. What do you think? Yeah, when he actually plays a, a genuine midfield role, he's actually a very good scorer. But, yeah, you don't really want to have to relying in week to week like he'll be serviceable but I don't think he's going to be scoring too many more hundreds this year that's my gut feel yeah I'm definitely um, in the same park in the sorry on the same page with you there um, alright uh, now the one for Collingwood is Callum Brown so Interesting, he had 82 points. And what was interesting, like the first centre bounce of the game, he went straight in there. So we, we've seen him play this role in the past and he's been playing at the VFL level for the last few weeks as well. So saw a lot more midfield time this weekend and it could just be a coaching change. But, um, you know, with Bucks in and Harvey, sorry, Bucks, in, Bucks out and Harvey in. But we just don't know who's going to be coaching next year and what role he's actually going to play. So don't get too excited about it just yet but it was real positive um, signs because we did like him a lot earlier in his career a couple of years ago when he was playing this more forward mid split um, and playing a lot more midfield time so yeah if this continues he could be a handy scorer going forward um, and the last one for for Collingwood that I'm going to have a look at is Darcy Cameron he had 81 points and he's just scoring okay this season like playing up forward and using the second ruck he's averaging 75 for the season so my thinking is just like say if you own wits or something like that and you need a makeshift Ruckman for the first half of next season. Um, he could be an option because he'll probably be in a lot of drafts next year if he can hold a spot long term. And he's kind of just playing a role nicely for Collingwood. And he always, you know, we always talked about his potential when he was at Sydney as well. Um, and he's actually kind of, you know, showing it off a little bit here. So just one to think about. I wouldn't ever want him to roll with him as my number one ruck and I wouldn't want to start him on forward each week. But if you need a bit of a gap filler for any injuries or, you know, a handcuff, I guess, to Grundy, he's definitely not a bad option. That's all. All right. 
Uh, last game of the round. I don't have a lot to talk about because it was a pretty um, pretty shocking game with the weather and just the style of play. West Coast being absolutely shocking and North Melbourne being, you know, the wooden spoon contenders that they are. But for West Coast, um, Josh Rotham had 89 points and he was just good coming out of defence. Um, North Melbourne don't have a threatening tall forward line. Um, as such, they did have Goldstein and Larky. They did cause problems from last night. But I think just uh, having their other two key defenders kind of line up on those guys, it just freed him up a bit um, more to attack and also... You know, he took 12 grabs in defense, being the taller defender that he is. So that was good for his fantasy scoring as well. Um, recently, he's been in and out of the side, but hopefully he can hold. I'm just hoping it's not too matchup based or that he's picked where West Coast think they can get an advantage by playing a taller player. But like I said, averaging 75 points this season, um, Josh Rotham been a pretty good option so far. Kaze, you love Rotham. What do you, what's your gut feel? What's your remedy gut feel? Um, well, obviously they lost on the weekend, which isn't great, but like I think he's a much better option than a few other guys that they've been rotating through that back line and I was shocked that he got dropped last week I think it was so good to see him come back in there and yeah he's just been super solid um, across that half back line and I think he complements them very well so um, I think he's a safe option for the rest of the season and um, potentially one you could look at as a keeper next year. Uh, moving on to some North Melbourne players so uh, Cam Zerha had 97 points um, he kicked two goals or hit the scoreboard but hit the scoreboard eight times, as Kays would say, because he kicked two goals, six. But um, look, he seemed very hard to match up on for him, and he was pivotal in a lot of key moments. So he's starting to remind me a bit of Toby Green, Kays, which is a pretty big rap. But I think when North and develop Ooh. and they get a bit better as a team, I think he'll score more consistently. So he's one that I would try to be stashing for now. It might be hard depending on how many you keep each year. But if you are you know, if you can stash him and you play in a deeper league, I reckon Zerha is a player that, could put some up, put up some good numbers in the future for you. Would you agree with that, case? Well, I actually own Zerha. Drafted him last year, and he's just kind of been sitting and not doing a hell of a lot in my side. But the last couple of weeks, he's you know kind of almost wanted me to start playing him. I suppose I haven't watched the the Kangas for the last couple of weeks. Now, is he playing that like actual key forward role, or is he genuinely starting to roam up the ground and and do what he should be doing? Not like not roaming, but like he's playing like because you've got Larky he's actually playing quite well, and a lot of the time he's getting well. Last night I think he got to the feet of um, Larky really well, and uh, just managed to put a few goals in, or at least one goal I can remember off the off the back of that. So, um, and Goldstein was up there a lot as well. So not really playing that kind of key target or anything like that, but just kind of he'll break a break a pack in there and you know get the hands out, or he'll be on the end of uh, you know in the right spot to receive and kick a goal. Um, yeah, like very much like the way Toby Green plays, and because he's kind of bigger, more physical player. I could see him just having a few, you know, not permanent midfield or anything like that, but a few stints in there as well, just kind of when they need, well, you know, when players go down or they need a bit of grunt in there. He's definitely mm-hmm. a player that could do that. So, yeah, I don't know. I think just going forward, I think he could be a good option, that's all. Okay. And the uh, last one I'm going to talk about for this game is LDU, Luke Davis Uniac. He had 86 points and he was another guy who was just kind of pivotal in, in, in some big moments too. Um, playing that inside mid role well, he was a bit of an enforce last night, just laid some big tackles to kind of hold the game up and kind of was kind of keys for them winning just by shutting um, a few players down or just stopping a few runs. So um, the thing is with him though, he's just a bit too handball happy in that kind of inside mid roll. Uh, last night he had 10 kicks and 14 handballs. Um, I like him as a player. I just think he's ceiling or, you know, ceiling for a season average. We're not going to ever see much more than an 80 or 90 points per game from him, especially with the kind of guys um, in North Melbourne side that can go big. I just don't know if there's enough points to go around for someone like Luke Davies Uniac to actually score big. But I don't know. He's going to be, you know, if you're going to pick him up in drafts, he's going to fill out your midfield spots, um, you know, each year. And I don't think he'll be the worst option. It's just I'm not sure if you can make a case for keeping him to being a fantasy star of the future. That's all. Any thoughts there, Case? 
Uh, I like him, but yeah, I do kind of think there might be a, a ceiling issue with him. But uh, his floor seems pretty good uh, this year, especially. So um, there's always room for few spot. There's always room in your side for guys who are just consistent and can bust out, you know, 80, 90, 100 each week. Yeah, especially in keeper leagues, definitely. All right, uh, that wraps up the round rewind. Um, so we'll get into uh, the projections in a second, but we'll just talk about our membership program for a second. Um, so yeah, just basically, if you like the the work we do, bring you this podcast each week, uh, please consider becoming a member. And uh, in return, um, you'll receive all of our great um, bonus resources that will help you pick your keeper league size. And what's great is if you join now, you actually have, you know, it's it's it starts, it goes for a year from the date of purchase. So if you sign up now, you'll get all the stuff for the draft. And that includes all our great off-season content where we put out um, all the state league fantasy scores where you can see who's had good years there, who could make their transition to the AFL side, all the draft E fantasy scores, all our breakout contenders, um, all the extra bonus podcasts we do on that sort of stuff as well in the off-season. Um, so yeah, if you sign up as a member now, you'll get that for the next year so you'll get that all through the preseason and be able to research your fantasy sides or sorry your keeper league sides adequately for next year so if you're keen uh, head to keeperleaguepod.com.au or click the link in the description below and sign up as a member now Kaz I kind of realised we need to start getting a move on with some of the gold members so we need to read through uh, 10 of them per week to get through them now so instead of reading 5 per week uh, we're going to read through 10 so do you want to take it away uh, this morning Kaz and read through some of the gold members Definitely. Uh, thank you to Ross Gibbons, Tom Seagram, Andrew Hutchin, James Wilcourt, Andrew Kenny, Benjamin Downey, Steve Canton, Craig McKay, Shay Pereira, and Jason Beck. Uh, in particular, I'd just like to give a shout out to uh, Ben Downey. Three of those names are actually in my one of my keeper leagues. And a uh, big shout out to Ben Downey, who hasn't won a game this year. And um, he's coming up to, he actually tries, tries hard. Like, he's not like he's just laying, you know, putting his team out to the uh, to the wasteland. But uh, he's coming up against the guy who's sitting third this week. So, I think he might go a winless season. But he's definitely gone rebuild mode and trading a lot of young players. So, he's actually doing the right thing. But, um, yeah, I just thought that was pretty funny. So, shout out. Keep your head up, mate. And, uh, you know, next year will be a year, I'm sure. Anyway, let's get moving on into the projections. All right, before we get into the projections, Kays is going to read through his State League Fantasy Scores report and give us the best fantasy scorers from the weekend. Kays, your article had like every player uh, listed, essentially, anyone who played well. So, um, maybe keep it a bit uh, shorter than your article, but geez, you're giving away a lot of good information on the article, so make sure you check that out on keeperleaguepod.com.au. But uh, yeah, who are your picks for this week? Well, usually when you try and talk about guys who went 100 plus and there seemed to be a heap of guys, especially in the VFL, who went 100 plus this week. So, um, tip of the caps all around. But uh, look, there were some hot scores all around. Uh, Steve Canelio had the best score. He had 133, 36 touches. So, surely he comes back into that GWS side next week. Uh, his teammate, Matt DeBoer, also had 133 points, kicked three goals uh, and had 35 touches. So, a uh, really good game there. Will Hayes, the forgotten bulldog, Again, had 30, 133 points, uh, 35 touches from him. So, uh, tough to see him break into that dog side, but could be a chance. Charlie Constable, the other forgotten um, cat, had 30 touches and 129 points. Jack Loney had 129 points, uh, kicked five goals too. So, outstanding effort from the Saint there. Josh Caddy, 39 touches and 128 points from him. Big Logan McDonald, uh, fantastic to see him kick four goals, three. Also clunked 14 marks, so 128 points from Logan McDonald. Will Martin had the same, 128, 31 touches from him. 
Braden Ham responds for him getting dumped from the Essendon side. Had 32 touches at 124 points. And Mark Hutchins, 124 points from him, 31 touches, three goals, one. Just continues to absolutely dominate the waffle. All right. Thanks for that, Kays. Uh, make sure you sign up as a member if you want all the state league fantasy scores for every uh, AFL-listed player. They're all available on our website. So, um, yeah, and check out Kays' weekly article because he gives away basically all the best information in that anyway and that's all you need to know. So, um, yeah, check that out there. Anyways, we're going to move on to our projections where we pick a captain, loophole, and a streamer and waiver wire option uh, for the week. So, Case, who's your captain option this week? My captain option for the week is Sean Darcy. Now, I just don't know if people know how well this guy's actually going. Um, he scored 122 and 116 in his last two games. He's also put up 132, 133, plus three other tons this season. He plays Geelong uh, this week, who let Tom DeKoenig score 91 points, for goodness sake. So, I think it's just an absolute lock and load, the big boy. Sean Darcy's going to get a 120 this week and lead your side to victory. I think after this year, he could actually be one of the big two. So, he you might be. be looking at... You might be looking at Grundy and, Dors- uh, and Darcy. So, yeah, pretty big wraps. But, yeah, I think I think people are aware of how well he's going, Kays, especially if you're in the uh, classic circles because um, a lot of talk about him, uh, especially when Grundy went down. I think a lot of people are rolling with him at the moment. So, um, yeah, but anyway, we won't talk about that inferior format too much. But uh, my cap of the week is Carl Amon. So, I love this guy. I picked him in the first round of our Keeper League draft, you know, 16 keepers and copped a bit of shit from a few listeners, but obviously they weren't watching him close enough in the previous years. But, uh, look, 136 uh, the last time he played um, St. Kilda earlier in the year, and he had 130 last week in a game where Port just absolutely sucked and couldn't get their hands on the footy at all, and he was the only guy out there really doing anything. So um, he averages 95 against St. Kilda as well. So I think he is a good kind of left field, not your first kind of picked option, but a good captain option for this week, Carl Amon. On to the loopholes. Nice backhander to the members there. Uh-huh. Well done. <laughs> uh, it's, only, it's only one person really in particular, so it's not really okay. <laughs> And not to, the uh, me- uh, not to the members, but yeah. Anyway. Uh, loophole option for me is Grian Myers. So, he's third up from a spell and should be ready to fire. Look, he was averaging 71 before he got injured in round seven. Um, look, the Dockers are going okay, but I reckon he can find some space out on Optus Stadium and play that perfect half-forward role. Obviously, the Cats-Dockers game is the Thursday night loophole uh, game this week. So, a nice option there to uh, get a forward into your side nice and early. All right, and I'm going to go with my loophole for this week. I'm going to go with Lockie Bramble. So, he's only started in um, 3% of teams, which um, I guess is, you know, it's understandable But before this week, but I think after this week it's going to go a lot higher. Um, but, yeah, Melbourne um, are a tough opposition this week. So, I think just with the loophole and what we saw last week, um, you should just bench him and then see if he plays like the same way, scores the same way and bring him back on. But like we've said earlier in the pod, there's so many defenders down at Hawthorne right now. So, um, And it looks like a good user of the ball too. So, I think Hawks will want the ball in his hands. So, I'll just give him a run on the bench this week. And if he goes well, try to loophole him on because he is playing, I think, the Saturday afternoon game. So, you should have four games after that week to be able to bring someone on for him. So he's my loophole for this week. On to the streamers. Uh, yes, Chris Burgess. So talked about him in the, the pod before. Look, he's coming off an 88 and a 123 uh, and his hit out numbers have jumped astronomically. Uh, he's gone from uh, averaging five per game in the first 11 rounds to 31 per game in the last two. Um, I like his matchup against Tim English. Um, the, he can, well, English scored well. He conceded a, a score to Tom Hickey on the weekend. Look, he's a back forward, so uh, multi-dimensional for your side this week. Only 20% owned and I think uh, yeah, he can get a, another, at least an 80-odd uh, for you this week for sure. 
Yep, I don't mind that, especially coming up against Tim English. Uh, Shane Mumford, I'm going with another Ruckman, uh, someone who's actually named as a Ruck in you know, fantasy anyway. Um, yeah, he's playing at Mars Stadium again this week against Gold, uh, no, against Sydney, I believe. They're playing the Sydney Derby down in Ballarat, so that's an interesting one. But anyway, um, last week down there, there was over 100 stoppages and it was a windy day. I think it's meant to be pretty wet this weekend, I think in Melbourne anyway, so probably um, the, the rain will probably move over as well at some stage. But uh, yeah, just generally it's pretty bad conditions down there because there's no stadiums and you know no big grandstands to block all the wind and the conditions really. So I think there's going to be a lot of stoppages again this week and I think he'll just absolutely feast on the hit out. So he scored 50 just from hitouts alone last week. So he only needs a few tackles, which he does get um, around the stoppage and a few kicks here and there to actually score okay. So the thing is with someone like Mumford, like you can, most leagues only play one ruck. So it might be hard to like make a case for bringing him on, say if you own someone like Grundy or that or the other one. But I think if you do have a dodgy, uh, dodgy ruck line, and which you might um, with GWS, and you, know, you might be a Pruce owner and you know, might be a Flynn owner and stuff like that as well. Um, I think Mumford is definitely a good option this week and she'll put up a decent score for you. All right, uh, waivers, Kays, who's yours? Uh, off the back of some um, state league news, I'm going to pick up Hayden Young this week. So he's only 37% owned. Uh, he's a high-quality halfback flanker and returned from injury in the waffle on the weekend. Had 15 touches and 70 points. I think he's going to be a fantastic option long-term and will be very hot property. Um, a lot of coaches put him on the scrap heap after his early season injury, um, which is forgivable, but uh, he's back and I reckon you can um, pick him up for an astute coach. So, had a 71 and a 60 in his first two games this season before getting injured. Um, yeah, while he might uh, not really set the world on fire this year, I think he'll be all the better in his third year after a full preseason. I think he can be one who's going to be a, a premium for years to come. And my waiver is a guy I don't need to pick up because I already own him, um, but that's Damon Greaves. And uh, yeah, finally, it's actually so, it's nice to see him put up a big score. But the reason why I'm thinking about it is just more that, yeah, all those Hawthorne defenders are down at the moment. And he had a big run at the end of last season. And this was the closest kind of game we saw him play in a, in a similar way as he did to the end of last year. Um, so I think he'll get to play, um, you know, a bit more for the, from here on in for the rest of the season, give us a good look at him. And if he does go what he showed at the end of last season, he's definitely someone you want to be on board. So I think Damon Greaves is a is a decent pickup. Again, only eighteen percent owned, so should be able to get him in most leagues. And um, yeah, I think he could score well for the rest of this season. And if he does that, then he should be all right going forward. But anyway, that's the end of the projections segment. Um, if you want more projections or more waiver wire picks, uh, make sure you sign up as a member. Uh, we put out projections each week, and we do a weekly waiver wire podcast, which we recorded just before um, putting out this episode, and it's out now. So yeah, if you're keen to jump on board, that you'll get more resources that help you with that sort of stuff. There, um, we didn't get any new Apple reviews this uh, this week, Kays, Apple podcast reviews. So that's the first time this year we haven't had one to read out. So if you do own an Apple device, uh, please uh, put one in, um, keep them coming in. They help us climb the charts. So um, yeah, if you have the time, we'd be greatly um, appreciative of that. All right, Kays, moving on to the listener questions. We've got a few to get through this week, but uh, I'll let you ask the first one because it does regard Port Adelaide and I'll answer it for the listener. Uh, so it's from at Trav014. Is Lena hurting Houston? Seems to be taking a lot of kick-ins and brings the ball out of defence a bit too. Half what's going on in the pork bat line? 
I don't think it's the kick-ins that's the issue because um, Houston didn't really take that many kick-ins. The main three were McKenzie, Jonas, well, Jonas and Burton earlier than McKenzie since he's come in because he's just got such a big leg. Um, so I don't think it's the kick-ins, but it's just more so that Port can't win the footy. He can't get his hands on it. Um, he's not getting that midfield as much midfield time as he was getting earlier as well, and I think that's hurting him. And there's a lot of coaches out there um, that have been pretty disgusted with his last two rounds. So... Um, Hold the faith um, if Port can actually, you know, turn things around and they're copying a lot of scrutiny at the moment in the media, which is actually good to see um, instead of them just everyone just blowing smoke up her asses all the time. So they might actually uh, turn some uh, turn something around and uh, look okay for the next few weeks if they, they actually react to that. So, yeah, hopefully he, they, Port can win a bit more footy, play a bit more um, of competitive football and, uh, yeah, hopefully his scoring is just a flowing effect from that. Uh, at DanK101 asks, uh, thought on Bramble and Burgess. Uh, both scored well this round and I picked them up as free agents in my Dynasty League. Case? Yeah, look, I think long-term, who really knows? I, I did like the look of Bramble. Um, he looked good back there on Saturday. But there's a lack of troops and a heap of ball in their back half. But yes, I think he's showing some good signs and, and used it really well. So I reckon he's worth holding. Uh, Burgess is the interesting one. He's 25 already and... I don't know if he's really number one ruck material long term. I think, you know, Wits will come back and I think they've got to trade or, or do something for for another ruckman to, to take over because Wits is um, late 20s. And I, yeah, I just don't think Burgess is a, a full time first ruck. So um, probably not as keen on Burgess, but I think Bramble um, is, a, is showing some good signs. I did look it up. Uh, Ned Moyle is a ruckman and um, they, they, he's the guy they picked up in the mid-season draft. But also as well that um, they couldn't actually get him up to Queensland for like the first four weeks because of the Melbourne uh, situation and then waiting for the border to open. So he could be an option, but I just, I don't know. Now they might not haven't had enough time to put enough time into him to get him up to AFL standard. So they do actually have a backup ruckman in the wings by the looks, but I'm not sure how good he is or how well he's going to play. I think he did average about 80 um, at VFL level as well. So um, yeah, he could go okay, but um, that could hurt Burgess going forward. I do like Bramble though, because I just like the way he kind of moves and the way he uses the ball. And I think Hawthorne being in the state they're in, I think they'll try to get some usage out of him for sure. Um, at Todman84, um, I can only keep one next year out of Scrimshaw, Jarth and Impey, provided Impey loses forward status. Uh, leaning towards Scrimshaw. Thoughts? And by the way, also not a Hawks fan. <laughs> um, well, uh, Jarman Impey's 26. The other two are 22. Um, the other, obviously, Impey and um, Scrimshaw have had some injury issues throughout their career, while Jarth is a, a little untapped. I think it's a I think tough Jarth did get injured on the weekend, though. Think. He did, yeah, he's a yeah. PCL or MCL, but I think it's only a four yeah. or six weeker, so might not see him for the rest of the year. But you know, Scrimshaw's done an end, so has um, Impy. So, um, look, it's a tough call. I think Impy, I would lean to like 26 is still okay in terms of uh, long term keeper option, mainly because he's the smaller, you know, running, moving um, distributor off the halfback line. Scrimshaw and Jyth are, are very good too, don't get me wrong. Um, obviously, can still, you know, someone like Jyth can still run a lot, but. They're taller and they may be um, made to play a bit more accountable at times. To be honest, mate, you've got three fantastic options. I don't really think you're going to – you miss um, – you're not really going to stuff up holding any of those three. I think they're all very good. But um, I think in terms of um, a more fantasy-friendly role, I don't think um, is going to be made to, to lock down too much. I think you said Scrimshaw did a knee. You're talking about in the past, right? Not on the In the weekend. past. Yeah, yeah, in the past. No, don't scare our listeners like that, mate. No, <laughs> Impy, Impy and Scrimshaw have both done knees in the past. 
Yeah, okay, I get you. Yeah, Scrabshaw got concussed, so he's only going to miss one week, so don't stress out too much. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think Scrimshaw is probably the best fantasy prospect out of those three going forward. Just plays the right, the best sort of game for fantasy, I think, anyway. Um, at DJ4 Brooks, um, great. Question one, uh, for an early morning pod, do you roll with the coffee or the Remedy Kombucha? It's not even a question. I drink Remedy Kombucha for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So um, yeah. He says, I know Adelaide is generally poor for coffee. There's good coffee everywhere, mate. You just need to know where to go. Like, yeah, maybe if you go into like uh, your 7-Eleven type thing or what we call on the run here, you might find some terrible coffee, but there's good coffee in all capital cities. I think you just need to know where to look. But I think the real question is, um, public service question, as I can't win my league, but others should think on this, um, which teams have the most favorable run through UF finals that will help coaches? So, I did, I did a quick squiz. We didn't have a lot of time to get through the questions just because we're recording early in the morning, but um, Brisbane have I uh, like Brisbane going forward they have Richmond Hawthorne Gold Coast Fremantle Collingwood hard game with West Coast in the end um, so I, I'm trying to think generally not it, it varies for position per position but um, yeah Essendon are another one they have a tough run but then they've got Gold Coast and Collingwood in the last two weeks which are nice for fantasy scoring Hawthorne have Adelaide Collingwood Western Bulldogs Richmond as their last four so that's quite good for fantasy um, Sydney have Fremantle Essendon St Kilda North Melbourne Gold Coast so that's another pretty nice run for fantasy scoring towards the end um, and Bulldogs have a good run home but then they face Brisbane Lions in the, uh, in the last week round 23 which is most people's grand final week so they might find it a bit tougher there as well um yeah especially those midfielders because they do seem to be a bit restrictive there so i think brisbane as and hawthorne sydney and bulldogs have uh, pretty good runs and should look at players from those uh teams um at xavier kramer asks would you hold luke mcdonald uh, the role doesn't seem to be there anymore Kays, what are your thoughts well i've never really bought into that luke mcdonald hype i know you had him as like number five in your defender ranks this but it year. wasn't a luke mcdonald thing it was and it's proven that any player who played that role would have done well, fantasy-wise, and we've seen Zeeble and uh, Hall do it both this year. So, anyway. <laughs> Got the big fish there, everyone. <laughs> but, uh, look, yeah, he got that juicy role last year. Doesn't this year. Um, I suppose, Hef, you watched the game uh, last night. Is he doing really well from a footy-wise? From, footy uh, from a fantasy – sorry. Is he doing well footy-wise on that wing at the moment? Um, because if he is, then I'd trade him. Because um, I think there's going to be someone willing to take the, the bait for Luke McDonald if he um, – regardless because they think he's going to get back to the, the scores he had last year. Yeah, no, nah, he's back to what he was two years ago, like just that same old disappointing Luke McDonald. So I wouldn't be touching him too much now. I think Zeeble and Hall, though, are both out of contract, but the, I, I can see them both getting re-signed. Um, but yeah, if either of them wants to go to, you know, have one last hurrah at another club, premiership tilt, they might be the type of players that I, I can't see Zeeble leaving, but maybe Hall even could be traded. Um, I'm very, very speculative. He does definitely deserves another contract on the back of what he produced this year. But uh, yeah, it's just a just a not just a thought that if that does happen, there might be a chance. But right now, I wouldn't be holding on to him. No, no, not for, not looking McDonald for me. Uh, next question at Dotty underscore thirty one in a twelve team twenty six player keeper league can only keep fifteen excluding one marquee player and a category B. This is good. At least they explain all the rules of the league so we can make a better assessment. Um, if applicable, does Sharp become a keeper on what he has shown to date? Uh, probably depend on the strength of your list and where you're targeting. Um, but 15 is enough to, to potentially to hold him. Um, I'm a fan, but I do want to see a little bit more just before the end of the season. Um, you know, he's played three pretty good games. Uh, last week was tough in the uh, crazy windy conditions at Ballarat. Probably not his um, necessarily his um, 
his jam playing in an overs like that. But I reckon he he's doing enough potentially to be that fifteenth pick flyer. Um, I always like to keep a speculative one in my um, in my keeper lists, um, and he could be that guy for you. Yeah, with sixteen, he could be the last one. Depends on the, what the rest of your look that team looks like. Essentially, what's the next question, Case? Uh, it's from at Russ two four six eight. Injuries have crueled both my dynasty and keeper league teams. Uh, my forward lines are suffering that much that I'll only be making up the numbers in finals. Do you have any forward breakout contenders or draftees I should target in the drafts next year? Um. All right. So I had a quick scour through the forward lists on Ultimate Footy, and it is ugly. There is not a lot of good forwards out there below like the top twenty, essentially. So um, just some guys that I thought might be a chance of breaking out next year would be. Uh, Bailey Scott, because um, he's just starting to get a consistent run, or a bit more of a consistent run now. He's shown some pedigree in the past. Um, he's put up some okay scores this year. Um, Lockie Schultz, if Fremantle can actually become a genuine finals contender, which it looks like is possible, I think he could go okay if he gets on the end of a few more goals. And Luke Jackson, I doubt anyone's going to give him up, but I think he's due for a big breakout next season because I think they'll start using him more in the ruck as well the next couple of years, and they'll kind of... Um, while they're in the premiership window, I think they'll kind of use Gorn a little more sparingly, I think, as well. So, um, or use him in different roles because um, it'd just be better for Gorn long term, I think, to kind of keep him running out. So, I think Luke Jackson is someone who's a good chance of breaking out. Um, some of the taller players up forward, I like Riley Tilthorpe because I think he could get a ruck role going forward because um, O'Brien's starting to look a bit shot as well. So, I think as soon as they can get him into the ruck, I think they might give it a bit more of a go. And last night, I really like the look of Nick Larkey. I don't think he's ever going to be a huge fantasy scorer, but I think he could average like a 70, um, 70, 75 uh, in the future because he seems to be getting on the end of a few goals and taking a few marks on the lead and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I don't mind him as a, just a you know an F5 type option for the future. Um, but then I think players that uh, haven't played this year, basically, well, Cam Rain hasn't played. I think he was on the verge of a breakout this year. He seemed like it, but then he did the knee in preseason, which was pretty cruel. So we haven't really seen a breakout from Cam Rain out yet. And because he's injured, um, it might take another year for him to come good, but I think he's still going to be okay going forward if he can recover okay. And Elijah Hollands was a player from last year's draft that was talked up pretty highly, um, listed as a forward and ultimate footy. Hasn't I think he's been injured for a lot of this year. Not going to get an opportunity, but looks might play this year. So I think um, he will. he's someone to look out for next year. And after the weekend, I think Archie Perkins is a good one, but I don't think many will be giving him up after that performance. But if he does, you know, puts up another few low scores over the next few weeks, he might be someone you can get your hands on um, going forward. But yeah, just some uh, thoughts on that one. Uh, Kays, at Isaac underscore WF is asking, um, can I trust Sarong on field this week? I'm not sure who they're playing this week, but um, looked back to his best on the weekend and have just lost Seedsman and a Hugh Greenwood. So he's lost those two in his side. So do you think he could play Sarong on field this week, Case? Uh, they're playing against Geelong, so it's a bit of a risky one. Look, I suppose the good thing is it's Thursday night game, so you do have that loophole option. So yeah. uh, that's a positive. Um, so potentially I'd, I'd be looking at starting him on your, your bench and then uh, looping him on um, because of that reason. So, yeah, look, he's going to be a very good player. Um, he's just kind of going through that, um, you know, that bit of a lull that everyone in their career has as a youngster. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, safe this week to, to start him on your bench and, and go from there. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's good with the loophole. Um, and it also depends what other cattle he's got in the uh, in the team to actually, um, 
you know, put on the field as well. But yeah, Sarong, if you've lost those two, he's probably likely you're going to have to play him anyway. So I don't know. There's not much you can do. Maybe just roll with it. Yeah. But yeah, it depends what else you've got. Um, Nicholas Ben asks uh, Aaron Norton, will he keep improving? Also, will Jack Martin bounce back to be a keeper? He's generally a solid 80 average, but has had a horrendous year. I'm looking for forwards I can buy low who will help their, fo- who will keep their forward status next year. So, Case, what do you reckon? Yeah, look, I think Aaron Norton will. I, I have him as the best young forward in the game. Uh, he's averaging 76 this year, uh, but he has had two injury-affected games with, with concussions. So, if you take them out, he's actually averaging just over 83. So, um, very, very good numbers for, for, a, for a tall forward. Look, he's athletic and versatile, and I reckon he can do it all. Um, to be honest, I'm not sure about Jack Martin. I own him in two keeper legs, and at the moment, he's nowhere near fieldable. Near fieldable, sorry. He's 26 as well, so he's no spring chicken. Uh, he's one I would probably drop. And I think if you are looking for, for buy low forwards, um, you know, the ones that have said um, before are fantastic options. I also like Dylan Moore. I think he's tracking really nicely. And um, if Cam Zerhar, as I have talked about earlier in the pod, if he can continue that kind of form and that role, I think he's another one you can you can buy low as well who, uh, who have plenty of um, future ability. All right. Um, Scott Cutler asks, uh, hi, lads, got a question for you. May, may not be podcast relevant as he's a 2G4 player, but he plays in established keeper league and we retain eight players and five rookies. Um, after having Sean Darcy as a rookie uh, for three years, I delisted him at the start of 2021 and I didn't draft him. I have Draper and DeConing as a rookie Ruckman for 2022, but with what you have seen so far this season, would you make a hard play during the offseason to trade uh, for Darcy? Or do you think one of the two could be fantasy relevant in the next one or two years? What do you reckon, Case? Uh, I'd just be sticking with what you got. Uh, unfortunately, you made a bad call on Darcy, but shit happens. Um, look, I think either Draper or DeConing in the next year or two are going to um, definitely put themselves forward as being very, very good fantasy Ruckman. Yes, they may not be as good as what Darcy's kind of turned out to be this season, but I think you trying to trade for for him when you've kind of got what I'd say would be two of the the next best kind of crop, I, I think it's a bit of a waste. So I'd just uh, stick that with Draper and DeConey, um, especially if you've got him for a couple of years and and just kind of look to bolster the, the rest of your spots around your midfield and forward and back and, and work on that And um, because I think the investment you've got in those two youngsters is, is pretty good. Yeah, I think like when I saw you only keep eight players, I was thinking like maybe you should have a crack um, because if you're only keeping that uh, like small number, there's no point actually trying to stash rookies. But now I see that you've actually got like a rookie list that you can retain. Your rookie rucks will probably be better than most other people's rookie rucks. So you probably well, probably will have a bit of an advantage there going forward. So yeah, I don't think I'd stress too much um, chasing Draper as long as you've got eight solid scorers, um, you know, that are kind of around the 100 average plus mark. Um, from there, um, then, yeah, I'll probably just let him go and run with your rookie rucks, I reckon. Anyways, Kays, that's a Zambrero wrap. So uh, thanks for listening to the podcast for another week. I'm uh, really looking forward to getting you back in the studio next week. Uh, it's just a bit quicker on the edit and stuff like that. So thanks for joining us through your isolation, though, Kays, um, and hopefully it hasn't been too painful. Um, you're ready to get back in the studio next week? I'm ready, mate. Thanks for setting me up with all the uh, recording gear. Unfortunately, there was no Rimini kombucha dropped off, which is a, a bit of a shame, but I know how much you love it, and I'm sure you've probably drank two or three cases in my absence anyway. I've only got nine cases, Maddox. Don't have enough to spare. Sorry about that. But uh, look, I'll, I'll share one with you next week, all right, when you get back in the studio. I've got a question. When we do our live show in a couple of weeks, Heff, are you going to bring some uh, remedies along to give away as, as some door prizes? 
I reckon that might be a good idea to get rid of some of it. Yeah, we'll have some Remedy Kombucha there. I'll talk to uh, Brew Boys, make sure they're cool with us bringing a uh, rival beverage into the premises. But uh, yeah, look, I think that could be a, a good call. Maybe a maybe a Zambrero voucher to uh, give away there as well. Now we're talking. Um, now we're talking. Yeah, yeah, so we'll have to wait and see. So that might be uh, some incentive to get people through the door. But anyways, uh, we'll wrap it up. So uh, get on our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Keeper League Pod. Make sure you drink plenty of Remedy and uh, grab some Zambrero burritos. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening to the podcast this week. And we'll talk to you next week with Kay's back in the studio. See you later. See you guys.